All right, so you're playing New Vegas again. I'm playing New Vegas again, yeah. And how is that game treating you? Fine for now. I, I'm, I know there's so many ways that one could play that game. And yet, like a dog returns to its vomit, <laughs> I return once again to Yes Man every single fucking time. That's because you're an adult with a functioning spine. <laughs> Listen to me. I don't think anyone who has lived through the little Andrew Ryan, are you a slave? Are you a dog? Sequence can choose anything but the yes man thing. Like, if you walk through the fucking world and put the NCR in charge of that fucking valley, you are marked down in a database as a Clinton lost causer. I remember I played Fallout New Vegas about five years after Bioshock came out, right? So I had about (laughs) five years to think about Andrew Ryan's thesis. So when Robert House, more or less, you know, an evolution of the Andrew Ryan character, gives me his pitch, all I really have to say is, fuck you, you old man, your (laughs) problems are your own, your failures are your own, you will die like this world did. And then there's a little in-game achievement if you beat him to death with a golf club. Really? Yes. That you is... get, like, a little experience bump for the creative, uh, you know, way of murdering him. That game is just covered in little chef's kisses. Oh, it's so fucking great. There's just so much thought that went into it. It took them eight months to make that game. Wow. It had an eight-month dev cycle. I think we need to fix this thing in gaming where I totally love engine rebuild sequels. That's a good thing to do, too. Oh, the, uh, what is it called? It's that full, full conversion, I guess... It's sort of a full conversion mod. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really endorse full conversion mod sequels. Yes. Like fucking New Vegas. I mean, it's the best RPG of all time. Yeah, it just leaves, you know, given pool of resources. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can just take things a little further if you only have to focus on the content side. Maybe cool Maybe a little you. time on the bug fixing. Well, yeah. Like I said, <laughs> eight-month turnaround time. Also, KOTOR 2. It's, it's competition for best rpg of all time i will argue it does have the best rpg villain oh yeah yeah without a fucking doubt maybe i need to play planescape fucking torment before i say that though by my understanding that's more of a protagonist led venture yes it is although the nameless one from from uh planescape torment is you know sort of an earlier version of the exile from i mean it's the same oh. writer it's chris Avalon, yeah yeah he's who he's also was like one of the writers on Fallout New Vegas. So, you know, there's there's a there's a there's a common denominator here. I guess what I'm trying to say here is that I've decided that it's a really great thing when writers I love get canceled because I can steal all their ideas and claim them as my own in a bold new future. So far Chris Avalon hasn't, but Congratulations on having written Transmetropolitan, Denard. No problem, Sam. I love having written Transmetropolitan. You can read my Transmetropolitan <laughs> in everything abridged, which comes out in April 2022. You can, you can pre-order. pre-order it now. <laughs> this guy gets it. This guy gets me. God, I fucking hope so. I've known you long enough. I don't know, dude. I know some dense fucking people. I don't really think Ben really... Whatever. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Now, today's idea. Mm-hmm. And this is a fun game. This is something we've actually sort of done in our own time, but we're going to do an anime version of it. I think we were, like, on a train 
back from Delaware once when we first played this game. Just kind of, no, no, we were trying to distract ourselves because I was pissed about the subway. And you came up with this game as a way to distract me from how pissed I was about the subway. Right, we got Cuomo'd. <laughs> I got Cuomo'd real fucking hard. We got On the way back from Penn Station once. Yeah, we got Cuomo'd the hardest that any male has been Cuomo'd. <laughs> no. <laughs> what? Bullshit. Just, just, we got Cuomo'd pretty fucking hard, but I've been Cuomo'd harmer. Harder. Fair, fair. But yeah, this is a game. Um, it didn't actually have a name. I call it Imitative Fallacy now because I went to fucking graduate school. <laughs> and the idea is pretty fucking simple. Yeah. We simply put forward a name of a franchise or a creator or even a fucking aesthetic if you want to go brass tacks with it because it's a game. Do what you want. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to stick with creator here in this case. Or did you have like... My, my list is all creators. So okay, cool. Yeah, my it, mine was too. Just gives it structure, but... The point is, you put out a creator, and you know you each take a turn, or multiple turns, you have free fucking time, whatever, but you each just put down your version of something that's just in their style or aesthetic, and you can take it seriously, you can be an ass clown, I am going to self-impose that the majority of mine will be played straight. Cool. Okay, because I was about to impose that rule on you. <laughs> and the game is that simple. Cool. We're going to do that, and we're going to describe them. We are doing this one off the cuff. There will probably be long pauses to think, but those yeah, there will be was, cut there, out in post. There was absolutely no writing that happened beforehand on this one, so yeah. this is this is completely off the dome here. In fact, I've mostly been exercising today, so there isn't even really pre-thought beyond me just listing creators I thought might be interesting. I've been at work, and now I'm one deep, gonna be two by the end of this episode. Oh, so is that like a quarter in the bag? <laughs> Well, I hadn't had much to eat in the past couple of hours, so I would call it half. Ooh. All right, so if you enjoyed those reviews, <laughs> then you'll enjoy this episode, too. All right, you want to throw out the first one, or should I? Yes, I'll throw out the first one. Good, good, go. Rumiko Takahashi. Okay, that's a choice. I yep. like that. You're making a Rumiko Takahashi show, or you are a Rumiko Takahashi right now. Do you want some, like, parameters? I could come up with some parameters right now, right? Um, you can add that if you want. The name will work for me, but the parameters could be good. Okay. Um, she is hired to do an anime original. Uh, this is not going to be, like, a manga or anything like that. This is going to be an anime original. It's going to get, like, you know, seasonal anime rules, like a 13-episode first season to really, like, wow the pants off of people, and maybe it gets a second season. So you've got 13 episodes right now. Okay, okay. And I'm going to use one of my non-ass clown cards on this one because dunking on Inuyasha, I don't know if I have any fresh material there, honestly. I, I did all of it when I was a teenager. And honestly, I, I kind of respect it as an adult. It's a, it's fine. <laughs> it has like It has some really interesting ideas to it here and there. I think, you know, what I didn't like about it at the time was just... That thing where, you know, culture does not like what teenage girls like. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, so if I were to describe her strengths when I sort of break her down in my head, mm-hmm. someone that's pretty good at the kissing teenage girls like and the punches to the sternum teenage boys like and has paid her rent of that strategy for... Yeah, she's great at that shit. About 20-odd about years. I'm going to... And it's a mild reference to your sort of desert punk tank girl type setting. Okay. This is a show called Tank. 
And right. it's, it's a teenage boy and a teenage girl in the post-apocalypse trying to get from point A to point B in a fucking tank. <laughs> and everyone keeps on fucking with them. I'm going to flip her standard dynamic just because she's been doing this for a while. She might do something different okay. in this. Um, this time, the dude just cannot fight. It's a rock revy kind of situation. All right, interesting. And she is a knife pervert. She is a knife pervert. Like, uh, what's it, Jay White? Like Jay White, yes. <laughs> she helps you breathe with the switchblade. <laughs> All right, here's the thing. Uh, Takahashi shows known for pretty large casts. Where's the cast? All right, so I think a caravan has to build up around them with assorted potential rival love interests, ass clowns, and fight filler. There's probably, like, some kid, too. There's got to be a kid. He'll fit into the into the ass clown. Like, life. I feel he comes in pretty early. <laughs> he's probably real fucking annoying, too. Like, this is... All right, so I guess there's the kid is... He's going to be a trickster archetype because it's how these things work. <laughs> he, he called himself the Raider King. <laughs> Oh my god, I see it too. He called himself the Raider King. They kicked him in the stomach once and he said he really needs some food. <laughs> if the show is good, he will slowly learn to defend himself in the waste. If the show sucks, he's going to try to grab her tits a lot, I guess. I well, don't he'll know. just become like more and more of a monkey the way that that one guy from uh, My Bride is a Mermaid did. Remember that guy? A monkey that... Well, he was he was the the main character's kind of sidekick, and they just <laughs> he just sort of devolved into just like the uh, pervert guru who was also just a monkey too. The like the, the monkey thing is almost entirely incidental. They just I think they just figured that that was enough part of like his character and his personality that like yes, he's now kind of a monkey now too. It is just weird watching borderline pro wrestling style gimmicks attach themselves to people in a series sometimes. It's fascinating watching that show unfold. I gotta watch it again. I want to see if it holds up. I think it does. I never actually gave that a stab. I remember you were a big booster of it and I was not sleeping enough at the time. Oh, I thought it was fucking hilarious when I first watched it. I might give My Bride as a Mermaid another role. Another role. Let's see. Other characters. Um... I'm going to just throw in a girl that's a sniper and needs to charge for about half the day. Okay. Sleepy personality. The fans like her more than the main girl, but we're on a fucking fixed destination. Well, she's she's chill. That'll be fun. Like, chill, yeah. They're, they're like, there will be some novelty in that that people are into, where she's just like kind of unbothered <laughs> in her lane, flourishing, moisturized. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. I could use. I feel like I could use one more. This could be one more rival in this permutation. There needs to be some dick bag guy. Yes. There needs to be some dick bag guy. I think maybe the actual Raider King just has a lot of UST with the main girl for reasons that are functionally unclear. Wait, no, no. Winding it back, slipping into default mode. <laughs> there is UST with the actual Raider King, who is intentionally trying to stop the rebuild of a civilization that he thinks was headed towards the destruction of the species at large. And I will just rant about nukes and shit. I just I just don't know that he should have a point. You don't know he should have a point? I don't know I don't know that he should be right at all. Okay, okay. Just just he's the Raider King and he's got abs. He's the Raider King, he's got abs. <laughs> 
you know, they probably hire, you know, some, uh, some well-respected voice actor or Sayu to, uh, to voice him. Like he just fucking eats scenery the entire fucking time. He eats scenery. Like his, his shirt sort of seems to get smaller from shot to shot. <laughs> Anyway, that's mine for Rumiko Takahashi. Okay, yeah, I could, I could, I could see it a little bit. You got one in your uh, head percolating. Mm. Oh no. <laughs> no, no, no! This, this, this is mine for you, and and uh, that, that, that's not how the game works. Motherfucker! All right. Why had you come up with you know answers to your own questions for this one? Because if so, then like I'm kind of fucked right now. I had not. I had not. Okay, good. All right, so I wanted you to have some um, some fun going into this. Cool. So I'm going to start you off coming up with something in the style of Baki's Itagaki. I'm going to leave an open premise to that. Just same guy as Baki. Same guy as Baki. And it'll be a manga, just. Okay. I'm going to sort of wander toward the idea because it's uh, it's very very loosely shaped in my head at this point right okay your outlining sketch okay i like the idea of him doing like so he has sort of narrowed the idea of the shonen fighting thing to such a fascinating point right Mm -hmm. so i would like to see his approach to the sort of uh the information warfare genre of you know your death notes code geasses uh you know on the sillier side you've got uh prison school and uh kaguya-sama right so broadest strokes possible you know that is my idea for something that he should tackle right and now i narrow it to an actual sort of you know setting time place Okay. Now this might be a little bit sports anime. Mm-hmm. But I think you could do a whole lot worse than have it be sort of a historical fiction kind of thing where it is about a... Um, I don't know too much about chess tournaments, honestly. I never watched Queen's Gambit. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, one of those chess tournaments that took place during the 80s Back when, you know, like, the U.S. and the Soviets were competing for, you know, like, literally fucking everything, including who had the coolest chess guy. That is actually a crazy idea. Like, if you would go artsy and granular with it, and also... So, who are the complete fucking madmen that are sub-chess people here in this world of yours? Okay, the protagonist has to be from Japan, right? This is a manga. The readership is Japanese. They're gonna want someone to identify with. And he's going to be... As every Manny, as a, you know, as a Hidegaki protagonist can be, which, which is to say he's going to be out of his mind, but in the, you know, in the most, um, he's probably just going to be Baki. He's going to be like, he's, he's, he's going to be Baki more or less transplanted into chess. Right? I'm imagining Baki's stance over a chessboard, like he moves a hand out to like move pieces. <laughs> Because I don't, I don't necessarily, I, I think that the character archetype works in this case for this thing. All right. 
And he finds himself at this chess tournament. And, like, the kind of fun thing is going to be that um, no one is really expecting that much out of Japan because, like, whatever. This is just... This is just the U.S. and the Soviets, and everyone else here is here, like, to be, like, oh, hi, yeah, it's you. Um, the Armenians, right? There's going to mm-hmm. be a whole lot of Armenian characters, because apparently Armenians are super into chess. I did not know that. There's just a whole lot of, like, really, like, killer fucking oh, Armenian oh, chess prodigies. Armenians. That's going to be this series' version of the 4,000 years of Chinese martial arts thing. <laughs> <laughs> He'll do, like, way too much fucking research into it. Yep. It'll be sort of like, you know, whenever Rocky, you know, finds himself dipping his toes into something Italy-related. It's mostly just a, an excuse for him to show off how much he's looked stuff up. I believe uh, the term for Rocky is a pasta boo. <laughs> that, is, that is, I believe, the term, yes. <laughs> I just made that up, but I love it. Okay, so I don't really have a cast for you, per se, but I do sort of have archetypes. Right? Archetypes are fun. Okay. Um, and I'm going to hit, I'm going to flip the script a little bit here because there's going to be two major antagonists. One of them is the American Grandmaster and the other one is going to be the Soviet Grandmaster. Now mm-hmm. you would expect the American Grandmaster to be, you know, this sort of, you know, at best cowboyish and at worst a fucking louse. Right. right, who also just happens to be really fucking good at chess, and you would expect the Soviet Grandmaster to be, you know, this sort of stoic, raisin <laughs> Siberia, I must break you type. I'm not really into that idea. Um, seen it one or two. Or I've seen it, 18. you know, a couple times. I like the idea of the American Grandmaster as basically like the. Cold War era general transplanted <laughs> into chess who, you know, takes this so fucking seriously. Sees, like, sees what he's doing is as important as the Cuban Missile Crisis was. I imagine him almost choking a teammate with his tie and saying, if we lose this match, it will cascade across <laughs> our entire tournament presence. This is the first domino! <laughs> and I will not let it fall! <laughs> A responsibility has been placed upon my shoulders, and I will not shirk that responsibility. I take it too seriously, and you should too. I'm into it. I take it. So tell me I'm getting ahead of you here. Mm-hmm. Does this mean our Russian one is going to be like basically like a son of the party who just comes in and like, oh man, I'm I'm pretty good at this chess thing. I was thinking about that. Um, because the other, the other stereotype would be to have him be like a fucking drunk or something like that. Mm-hmm. Not as into that. Because I like my satire, right? My idea is to have him be... You know how the Soviet Union kind of failed, you know, what Marx had set out for them by, um, and Lenin to an extent, by just creating an oligarchy anyway? It just sort of ended up happening. They were super into it. Um, the main Soviet antagonist would be, like, the son of one of these oligarchs, right? Like, mm-hmm. kind of, kind of oblivious to all of this, really. Um, oblivious to all of this, really. So, yeah, a little bit like your son of the party kind of, uh, kind of character that you would envision, but doesn't take this even half as seriously as the American Grandmaster. <laughs> just as good at him, or just as good as he is. 
you know, you know, to, to be to be sure, but mostly just you know was raised in you know the nicest parts left in Moscow, you know. <laughs> and his parents asked him, "Would you like to ride horses or play chess?" And he was like, "Now ah, my big brother fell off a horse. Now he's lame." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm into it. I'm into it. So it's Itagaki. Mm-hmm. One of Baki's most sort of famous traits is the Yujiro Hanma character, who is basically a in, his insane bastard father, who is also like sort of this Dio-ish, Sue-ish figure. Also, the plot likes to come back to him beating up a random random person every twenty pages or so, sure. chapter or so. Is there a figure you want to put into this kind of space? Like, yeah, but it doesn't have to be his father. I think that could be, like, the Armenian Grandmaster. (laughs) (laughs) He just shows up for squash chess matches. Because I like the idea. Although, at that point, I do believe that Armenia was um, part of the Soviet Union. So, like, there will be a distinction between the Russian Grandmaster and the Armenian Grandmaster. Okay, okay. Okay. Uh, and the Armenian Grandmaster fucking terrifies everyone. <laughs> He's like this old man who enjoys destroying his fucking opponents on the chessboard, right? Um, kind of dissects them. Uh, it takes this sadistic pleasure in watching them melt in front of him. That sort of deal, right? Like, so yeah, the presence of, you know, Baki's father, you know, comes through in this character um, who... You know, and if if we wanted to do it, he could sort of, like, form this weird fucking mentor relationship with the protagonist from Japan. Uh, in sort of, like, a nod to the fact that, you know, the protagonist from Japan is clearly, like, a Baki-esque character. And, you know, the... the he'll be like Baki with only four abs instead of ten. Just, just four. Just four. That's all he needs. That's <laughs> all you need to play chess. <laughs> But you should have at least four. You should have at least four. Let, let, it, let it be clear to everyone listening to this. Everyone in this chess manga is jacked. <laughs> like, they're all super jacked. And it's, 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 it's kind of weird. It's, they're fucking ripped. It's never really addressed directly. I love that the B-Stars girl is his daughter. That it's is just, wonderful. It's, it's kind of such a fun little fact. At some point in this, maybe earlier on, maybe even, nah, it could be later on, somehow national security needs to be involved in this in some way. Stop drilling. You've hit oil. <laughs> because this is Baki, right? Yeah. Or this is Itagaki. Like some version of like the Casino Royale plot, like where military funding ends up is directed by the outcome of this tournament. Something to that effect, yes. Um, I was trying to think like nuclear codes, but there's no way that I could plausibly get that involved in a chess tournament. <sighs> or maybe just some third column each side trying to win the sway of to, you know, get their latest nuke launching platform or defense platform, etc. Maybe. Like, you know, influence and sway and all that. It will be disproportionate to what role chess plays in real life. That yeah, is also yeah, no, like 100 fucking percent. The way that, you know, like, martial arts tournaments, the, the role that they play in real life. Yeah, yeah. All right. 
I think so. Here's the thing: when in Baki, right, someone can be so fucking good at kung fu that they are a civilizational threat, right? Yes. Someone could be so fucking good at chess that it's kind of the same way in terms of like generalship or something like that. So everyone is at some level tied to the military of their country. I don't know. I'm I think it could be thought of like these are dangerous men because they're this good at chess and it is treated as such by everyone in universe. Like everyone in universe is like thinking and saying this man who could play chess right he could win world war three that's one way to spin it i think another fun way to spin it this might not be pure itagaki but it's just a fun idea both sides have their egos wrapped up in the in this Mm -hmm. the fear becomes if the americans or the russians win things will rapidly escalate into world Sure, yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll get it in their heads like, okay, we've got our guy now. He can win this for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I do love this life we live. All right. All right, so I feel like, you know. You did a good job. More or less. All right. Here's my pitch to you now. All right, I'm hitting my sh- shoe with my baseball bat. They should be careful doing that. Well, they get they get in trouble for drawing a line. Yeah, that scene is antagonizing the ump. Wow, did not know that. Yeah, if you draw a line in the dirt uh, next to the plate, that's uh, seen as you being like, actually the pitch was here, and you were wrong. Wow. These rule books just have a fascinating evolution. Yeah, umps are also super fucking fragile, too. And very, very wrong a lot of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... Umps are toxic friends, people. Maybe this is boring. Maybe this is boring. I do... If it's boring, I'll burn an ass clown card. Satoshi Kone movie. A Satoshi Kone movie. Okay, so I've got to be thinking... We've got a high art tone. Probably dealing with the nature of information and reality. Mm. Let's say he's alive today. Oh, let's, let's get premacy. Let's say he's alive today in 2021 and is making a movie. There we go. So, as Sam illustrated, it's sometimes a fun thing to do is to sort of place these people in my lose they don't, they don't normally play in. Sure. It sounds like a building with an ass clown thing. No. I love his shit. I'm going to put... The tone here may play more to the operatic or science fictional than you might normally riff on, but his fixation on the nature of reality and his sort of artistic rendering of things I think would make this great. Okay. I was originally thinking about moderation. I said, nah, that's not what, what I'm getting at here. It doesn't have to be an internet thing just because it's him today. Because what I'm really thinking about is the sort of nature of how, how we filter information, how information warfare, how things are published and presented to us often shape the reality around us. Mm-hmm. So my idea, I'm just going to call it editorial. Okay. And it's very simply newspaper editor out of a job, as most newspaper editors have been displaced by the rise of Craigslist and the Great Darkness. Okay. Gets a new job editing what he is informed is a big paper. He's never heard of it. This doesn't make fucking sense, but he the money's something. Real. The money's real, so 
so he goes into it and you know he's nervous all like making like his new girlfriend proud because the guy always throws in some good little character things gun all the shit so yeah you know yeah during all this is a really fragile relation new relationship they're trying to keep together they've just moved in and he is totally confused because all of the names and places and technology that he gets in these articles submitted to him do not exist anywhere in this world and he's like, okay, someone's fooling with me, but they're still paying me. Whatever, I'm just gonna... Alright, we'll run these ten, and it just, it just goes out. Okay. This actually influences events in another setting. <laughs> Which we get... So like a through-the-looking-glass kind of deal? Through-the-looking-glass kind of deal, yeah. Okay. And his perception of this is limited to basically the... Uh, these mixtures of like these videos he gets and articles from competitors <laughs> describing assorted second order consequences or tragedies. And, you know, because it's a visual medium, obviously we, the audience can, can go there or whatever, but like, this is how he sees stuff. Okay. So I want to yes. And you here, right here. Okay. Okay. So, Satoshi Kon, right? Yeah. Always super fucking into themes of identity, right? Right. So his counterpart on the other side of the looking glass has the same job, ends up doing the same thing. That's good. And I think for the sake of the plot, I think one of these guys might need to be kind of a, a doormat for like this new relationship kind of thing. Okay. And the other guy is just sort of this careerist. I like the idea that we end up being treated to both sides at once and are only told that these two versions of this character are separate like halfway through the movie and that's the big reveal. Writing nightmare. I love it. Now, and the only thing that we have to go on is that there are subtle differences, or maybe even not so subtle differences, in how these two characters are characterized, like, throughout the first, you know, like, let's say, 60 minutes or so of the movie. And I think that... I mean, the fun thing at the heart of this premise is, like, okay, so this guy, you know, could make things better for people. What are the things keeping him from doing that? Mm-hmm. Like, what are the things in his identity? What are the things... What are these external demands? What is it about... That makes us consume a certain type of information. And, you know, that gets into things like conspiracy theories or how issues are framed or how we treat people in ambiguous situations or just tear people tear people up and down. Sure. Anyway, I think that this whole frame is money. No, I actually like this a whole fucking lot. I think there's like a whole lot here. Yeah. Hey, look out for this in 2023. I'm going. I'm. I'm going to dig down now. Yeah, this is interesting right here. I. 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 I, I think there's like a whole lot to be. <sighs> Fuck. We've given it away already, though. I'm sorry, everyone. What I meant to say is we're going to do a riff where we imitate Akira Toriyama. My show would be called Robot Punch. And it would be like Dragon Ball Z, but they're robots. Shala, hey, shala. <laughs> <laughs>